Morning, church. How's everybody doing today? It's always tough to uh, listen to Rodney when he sings the bass because he has such difficulty getting down that low. I, I know he's struggling to, to uh, sing those low notes. So, uh, and his voice just resonates down low, doesn't it? Just, do you know what resonates? It just vibrates your chair. It's just crazy. So, I don't know how he gets the high notes. <laughs> lip sync some of you would know who Millie Vanilli is so man it's nice to have sunshine we like all of God's weather but the sunshine has been good we're supposed to be in the 60s all week this week still getting down in the 30s so if you're um, getting up and walking and starting your New Year's resolution you know getting out and walking and exercise you might want to go about five or six o'clock at night, as opposed to in the morning, it's still been pretty crisp in the morning. So, <clears throat> why is it when the kids go out for children's church, so many adults go? Is that okay? So, let me tell you about something in your chair. Um, I'm not up. Um, you've got stop it. You've got two sheets in chairs around you. One's about an all-church um, potluck fellowship. You can read about that. Um, you've got time to, to uh, get ready for that. The other's about a carrying and sharing debt challenge, and there's a lot of information on that sheet. So let me just tell you what's going on briefly. It tells you about the carrying and sharing. We've got a carrying and sharing ministry. We uh, assist folks with food and clothing. About three or four times a year, we'll have a carrying and sharing dollar day. Now, this church supports carrying and sharing in our regular budget. And then three or four times a year, we have what we call a dollar day. And you can give if you want to. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. We usually average about $5,000. And that's just additional money that goes to help um, with carrying and sharing. Now, the facility, we own the facility, but we had to borrow money to have that facility. And so here's what's going on. Late last year, the leadership, the elders, deacons, and staff spent a little time in prayer and fasting, and we believe the Spirit led us to the decision that the best use of funds would not be to go to pay for a building. And so we decided to challenge you to help us pay off that debt. We owe about $75,000. Now, $800 a month out of the carrying and sharing budget goes to pay on building. We'd like for $800 a month out of carrying and sharing budget to go to help people. So that's why over the course of this year, 2015, whenever we have a carrying and sharing dollar day, the first $5,000 will go to the regular dollar day, and then everything over that will go to pay off this $75,000. Now, I want to say this. We know we challenge you in a hefty way, and you give to missions well over $100,000 over and above regular contribution. We know that you're very generous and you give to our regular contribution and we challenge you year in and year out and you continue to give to that and you give to the carrying and sharing dollar days. So to be honest with you, we don't know where this money's coming from because we know you're very generous. And so I say it that way to say we believe God's going to have to put it on your hearts, all of our hearts, I would encourage you to pray. I would encourage you to fast, skip a meal, spend some time in prayer. Our first dollar day is February 1, two weeks away. 
I don't think we need all year to pay off $75,000. I don't know how we're going to do it. I would tell you we've got the money to do it, but we ask you to give in so many ways and so often that we believe God's going to have to help us with this one. We know God's going to have to help us with this one. And as soon as we pay off $75,800 a month, more goes to help people. So all of that's explained on that sheet. Our first dollar day is February 1. Be praying about that. Be thinking about that. And um, I think God's going to do a miracle before the end of the year. So let's see. Uh, I, I want to encourage you to tap your business. I want to encourage you to tap whatever you can tap. I want you to pray to God, God, where can I find the money to help do what we need to be doing here? So that's, you can read about that. <clears throat> Let me talk to you about sharing. Sharing is not in our nature. We're not wired to share. I mean, from an early age, our parents taught us and we teach our kids that you need to share. And yet we don't like to share. Have you ever had to share a toy with a sibling, a room, a bed, clothes, vehicle? You ever had to share all those things with someone in your family? Have you ever had to share a workplace with somebody? Have you ever had to share a computer with somebody? Have you ever had to share tools? Have you ever had sharing? We're not wired to share. It's difficult to share. And yet you'll find, depending on the translation that you use, you'll find over 1,500 times in the Bible the word give, which is the opposite of sharing. When you gave money today, when we passed around the contribution, uh, the plates for the contribution, you shared, you gave of your means. You shared with the Lord. All through the Bible, God tells us what He's done. He gave and He gave and He gave. And that culminated in Jesus. He, for God so loved the world that He gave. He shared. And in return, all throughout the Bible says, Look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give to me. I want you to share it. Now listen, we're not wired to share. It's difficult to share for a lot of reasons. We're in a study of the book of Acts, as you can see from... What's listed up here? We're trying to learn what it means to be witnesses for Jesus. We're trying to learn about the Holy Spirit. We're trying to learn about being empowered by God. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 13 today. And the Holy Spirit shows up in a lot of ways. For example, in Acts 13 too, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, the, the Holy Spirit spoke. I mean, we know in reading the Bible, God spoke in the past and God speaks through prophets and God speaks through Jesus the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, Listen, I want Barnabas and Saul. I want you to set aside Barnabas and Saul. So in Acts 13, 4, the two of them, Barnabas and Saul, sent on their way. They were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Kind of reminds me of Jesus after He was baptized. He was led into the desert by the Holy Spirit. Didn't just go on His own. It's almost like the Holy Spirit took Him by. Okay, let's go. We need to go out here in the wilderness. And these two guys, almost as if the Holy Spirit's taking them by hand... Acts 13, verse 9, then Saul, who was also called Paul. So let me stop right there. It's at this point in Acts that Saul and Paul, you're thinking, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here? Same guy. Paul's not his Christian name that he was given after becoming a Christian. As a matter of fact, it's from the Latin meaning little, small. I don't know if God changed his name. I don't know if he changed his name. But Saul, the guy who was so big into persecuting the church, is now in reference to Jesus and the Holy Spirit 
taking on a lesser role, if you will. He's small. And then Saul, who is also called small, little, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 13, 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 13, we start with the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the chapter, we end with the Holy Spirit. And everything in between is all about the Holy Spirit, which is what we're learning to do. Everything about us ought to be about the Holy Spirit and how we're learning to be empowered to be witnesses for Jesus. So that's what's going on a little bit in Acts chapter 13. Let me uh, throw some verses up there. I'm going to tell you this. I could just read Acts 13 and say we're offering an invitation. I believe it's that powerful. I don't think I can add to any of this sermon right here. So I'm going to throw up a lot of verses of Paul's sermon Here's what's going on. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. There's five guys mentioned. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaean, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Isn't that crazy? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Now, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go back again. That's what our leadership did, which led us to the decision to pay off the note at carrying and sharing. We spent some time in prayer and fasting, and we believe the Spirit spoke to us. Now, I didn't grow up talking like that. I didn't grow up hearing a lot of stuff like that. But listen, folks, to be led by the Spirit is all through the New Testament. So we're learning how to be led by the Spirit. So they're praying and worshiping. And the Holy Spirit said, we read this verse, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them on their way. Now, here's what's going on. The early church could have said to the Holy Spirit, because, you know, people don't always listen to the Holy Spirit. People aren't always in tune with the Holy Spirit. People are not always receptive. People quench the Spirit. The early church could have said, "Um, yeah, no, we're keeping them right here. We need them in our church. We need them right here. You can't have Barnabas and Saul. But the early church gave. The early church shared Saul and Barnabas with the world. This is one of the first, this is the first missionary journey that we find in the book of Acts. You remember in Acts chapter 1, you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem. You'll be witnesses in Judea and Samaria. And we're fixing to go to the ends of the earth. And so the early church says, you know what, we'll share Paul and Barnabas. It was a total act of selflessness. Why? Because they were listening to the Holy Spirit. In my nature, I'm going to listen to Richie, but when I'm listening to the Spirit, I'm selfless. So that's what's going on here. They shared the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, told them, I want Paul and Barnabas. So we're not just keeping the good news in Jerusalem. We're not just keeping the good news in Judea and Samaria. We're going out. We're going to the ends of the earth. So here's what's going on. There's a lot of cities mentioned in this chapter. From Perga, they went to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue. That's what they usually did, and they sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them, Saul and Barnabas, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. And Paul's fixing to speak. And he's fixing to deliver this sermon. And the purpose of the sermon is, listen, I want, y'all, I want to remind you all who you are, and I want to remind you of why you were called. He wants them to know their purpose for existence. And so he starts this sermon and he begins to preach. I kind of put it in bullet form to show you what God does. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, 
Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose you, chose our fathers. This didn't start because we did something. God said, look, I chose you, and look what God does. God made the people prosper when they are in Egypt. God led them out of that country with mighty power. God endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. God overthrew seven nations in Canaan. And then God gave them Canaan, the promised land, as their inheritance. God gave them judges. God gave them Saul. God gave them David, their king. God said, look, I made you who you are. I called you and I chose you. But I didn't just choose you to say you're mine. God chose them for a reason. Now... Let me just keep reading. Let me just keep reading the sermon. From this man's descendants, David, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. I think what Paul wants to know is everything about the Israelites is not about the Israelites. Everything about who they are and all the people he's already mentioned points to Jesus. So he says, All this came so that Jesus um, would come. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. God has been weaving His plan through all of the judges, through all the prophets, through all the kings, through Abraham, through Moses. God's been weaving His... Everything about God's plan points to Jesus. Everything we do today points back to Jesus. Jesus is not plan B. He's not plan C. He's not plan D. Everything culminates in Jesus. So he wants them to know, listen, this is who you are. God chose you. But God didn't choose you just so you could keep stuff to yourselves. And so Jesus came along. And they found um, no proper ground for a death sentence. And they asked Pilate to execute him. That was all part of God's plan. Even though they executed Jesus, it was all part of God's plan. He keeps reading. When they had carried out all that was written about Jesus, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. We talked about this last week. But God raised him from the dead because that was God's plan. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And these people are now his witnesses. He keeps going. We tell you the good news, what God promised our fathers... He's fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. God raised Him from the dead. God raised Him from the dead. God raised Him from the dead. He wants them to know, look, I chose you because everything through you leads to Jesus. It's not just about you. We're going to come back to that in just a second. So he preaches this sermon. And the people are receptive. Look what's going on. Um, He says, through Jesus... You have uh, forgiveness of sins, and through Jesus, everyone who believes is justified from everything you couldn't be justified from in the law of Moses. So Paul and Barnabas were leaving, and they said, Hey, can you come back next week? I mean, we like what we're hearing here. Can Can you come back next week and preach at the Sabbath again? When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts followed Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas said, You know what? You need to continue in the... Grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, not the crowd, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And they talked abusively against what Paul was saying. What happened in one week? A week ago, everybody's receptive. Today, the Jews 
or angry. A week ago, everybody's like, hey, can you come back and preach some more? Yeah, y'all need to continue in the grace of God. If you've been in the church for any time, any church, you probably know that when you start preaching grace, people are receptive at first. Give them about a week of sermons like that, and they're going to get pretty abusive. Why would the Jews be so abusive of this situation? I'll tell you why. Because they're God's people. They are God's people. This is our synagogue. This is our God. These are our blessings. And we don't want to share with the Gentiles. That's why they're upset. You want to know what made the early church distinctive? It wasn't necessarily their prayer habits. It wasn't their reading of the Bible because they didn't have one. It wasn't that they met on Sunday. What made the early church distinctive is they went everywhere telling everyone, Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, hey, the good news is for you. And the Jews are like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, the, the good news is for us. We're going to come to a head in Acts chapter 15 and it's going to almost get nasty because the Jews are so upset that the Gentiles are entering the picture. That's why they're upset. Because there's people coming into their church, their synagogue, their God, and they don't want to share. Now, let me see where I am. And Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first. That's what they did. I mean, we, we came to the synagogue first. We preached to you first. In fact, God came to you first. But you reject it and you don't consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I've made you a light for the Gentiles. So here's what he's done in this sermon. Listen, God called you. That's who you are. You're one of God's chosen people. But God chose you to be a light to the Gentiles. Interesting. God chose the Jews to show the whole world who God was. It wasn't something they were supposed to keep for themselves, but that's why they're upset. It wasn't something that was just for them, and that's why they're upset. God's plan is that through Jesus, everybody can be saved, and the Jews don't like that preaching. Now... He wants them to know God chose the Israelites to be a light. God chose the Israelites to show people about Jesus. And the message for us is we're called to do the same. We're called to show people Jesus. Let me illustrate. Way back in Exodus 19, when we're at Mount Sinai, Moses went up to God and the Lord called him and God said, here's what I want you to tell the people. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. And how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you'll be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, we kind of get lost in the shuffle of kingdom of priests. I don't know what comes to your mind when you're thinking of a priest. So let me illustrate this way. I've been reading Jonathan Storman's book, How to Start a Riot, and he writes... Originally, being a priest was the task God gave to all humans. We were created in God's image to reflect God. 
After the fall of man, God gave the priestly calling to His chosen nation, Israel. He singles out the tribe of Levi and gives the office of the priesthood to that specific tribe. These Levites will be the ones who bear the responsibility of reflecting God's presence to the nation of Israel, who are in turn to show God's presence to the world. The purpose for the priest is highly significant. A priest puts God on display. He continues, they serve as a mirror to the world, showing everyone what God was like. Stormont writes, here in Acts, God's people are witnesses to Jesus. And that just happens to be priestly language. God calls us to be witnesses to the world, to reflect God to the world, to share Jesus with the world. Let me illustrate this way in 1 Peter 2. We're told, we're told, we the church are told, You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? So that we can declare, so that we can reflect, so that we can share, so that we can witness and tell people about Jesus. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Listen, folks, we... Let me say it this way. Our purpose in being here today is not for us to be here today. Our purpose in being the church and coming together to worship God is to reflect God and to show the world who God is. That ought to change how we live. That ought to change how we talk. That ought to change how we spend our money. That ought to change how we dress. That ought to change how we tell jokes. That ought to change our marriages. That ought to change how we raise kids. Because in doing all of those things, we're showing the world who God is through us. We're reflecting God through us. And yet, the difficulty is that when it comes to being the church, we sometimes use language and get upset Because this is my church. Let me tell you something. It ain't your church. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's not our church. It's God's church. And yet we get a little upset sometimes when our comfort zones are stretched. Listen, this ought to change how we greet people when they walk in the door. This ought to change how we greet people when we see them in the parking lot. This ought to change how we act when we go out into the community. I read again this week. This week, I read again this week. The one day of the week that restaurants dread the most are Sundays. Because of church people who are so mean and angry and belligerent. That's not who we are. And that's not what we're called to do. So when we go out and eat today, we're supposed to be reflecting God. We're supposed to be witnessing. We're supposed to be sharing Jesus. And yet the restaurants are like, oh, we can't wait till Monday. What's wrong with that picture? And then when we plan church activities and we try to stretch you a little bit and we try to stretch the church and we try to say, hey, here's what we need to do for the people out there. We're like, no, 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 no. This is my church. Just like the Jews said, this is my synagogue. This is my God. Those folks don't deserve what I have. Those folks aren't living the way I'm living. Those folks don't need 
And yet that's not who we are. That's not who we're called to be. We're supposed to share. We're supposed to share. We're supposed to share Jesus. And if that makes you a little uncomfortable, good. Good. Because it's not about us. It's about everybody who's not here today. We exist to reflect to those out there. Even in our very act of being here today, we are reflecting to the world the God that we worship. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to take some language out of... I'm I'm so glad that you take pride in saying this is my church and this is our church. I understand that. But when my church and our church starts making the decisions for this church, we need to read Acts 13. We need to read the Old Testament. Because God says, Paul reminds them in this sermon, look, God called you, God chose you, so that you would share... Jesus. So when we go out into the world today, can you remember that? To share Jesus. When you go to lunch today, would you remember? I'm sure it's just all the other churches and not anybody from this church. But would you be considerate of anybody that might be waiting on you today? And just think to yourself, how can I show Jesus? How can I reflect Jesus? How, ask the waiter or waitress, how are you doing? How's your week going? Is there anything I can pray about for you? That'll catch them off guard. Because they're used to people reflecting other things. When you go to work this week, why don't you ask some people at work, hey, tell me what's going on in your life. Is there anything I can pray about in your life? I mean, you don't even really have to preach Jesus. I'd like for you to, but if you just show some interest, hey, can I just offer up a prayer to God for something going on in your life? We're reflecting Jesus. And we're being witnesses for Jesus. And just like Paul and Barnabas were led by the Spirit and sent out into the world, we're going to be led by the Spirit and sent out into the world to show people Jesus. We offer the invitation of Jesus today. It's not just for us to keep, but it's for you to hold. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, Jesus offers you forgiveness of sins. You can't get that anywhere else. You can't get that anywhere else. Jesus offers you eternal life. You can't get that anywhere else. Jesus offers you justification. You can stand right before God today. You can't get that anywhere else. So you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. You need to accept Him. You need to repent of your sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. You need to be baptized for the remission of sins. You need to be baptized to become a Christ a Christ-like follower, and you need to be baptized so God can fill you with His Spirit to live the kind of life that He wants you to live, reflecting Him. If you need to respond to that invitation today, please do so as we stand and sing.